Welcome back to Locked On Spurs, right here on the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia of News 4 San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio Spurs Zone. Uh, there's no NBA, there's no Spurs game, as the NBA is on hiatus right now. So we'll still have our fingers crossed that the Spurs will resume sometime soon because I think you, me, and our guests are missing some silver and black action. But obviously, I do hope you're being safe. You're staying indoors, washing your hands, and helping to stop this. Because as soon as we stop this, the better we get to some surreal sports instead of the dumb simulations of Spurs games that I've been providing you guys <laughs> over at the Spurs Zone. Uh, well, perhaps the biggest news uh, is a Spurs legend, Tim Duncan. Uh, he's made his way into the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. He's been elected, and it's all nothing but a formality now. And his induction will be this August, and he'll find his place, rightfully so, among the best of the best to ever play the game. We're going to dive deeper into that and get some thoughts um, on TD's um, election from our guest in a few seconds. And also, um, if the season does resume, what would happen if the NBA says, hey, Spurs, just finish out your season? You got 19 games left. Should Popovich and the Spurs coaching staff throw in the towel? or let the kids play, get them time to develop, or still go after that eight seed. So do that and more. I'm joined by my good friend. Uh, he's over at the What's Brewing Podcast, which you subscribe to. Just Google it. It's well worth your time. What's Brewing Podcast. And he's with the WEI News Force Sports Nation Overtime. My good friend, you know me, love him, Richard Oliver. Richard, welcome back to Lockdown Spurs. Man, I tell you what, I you know, it's funny you mentioned that about the Spurs and the games and how everything is shut down right now because, Jeff, I tell you, you know, I still have on my, my Microsoft Outlook calendar, you know, uh, it, it pops up things like, you know, sports events and different things yeah. coming up. And I'm still tortured because every other day it'll say Spurs at Nuggets, 830, you know, or <laughs> something like that because it, did, it, didn't, it didn't go off with the quarantine, man. It didn't go off with the coronavirus. I know. And by the way, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're being safe and you're 100% health and uh, that Corona is not hitting you and your family. So thank goodness, Richard. Hey, same with you, my friend. I, everything's good on this end. Uh, uh, it, it, it's just been surreal that it we has. are sitting here talking about no sports. It's just crazy. I know. I know. But um, of course, as I mentioned before, the big news is uh, Tim Duncan. Um I think yeah. we should start off this segment by saying, duh, of course he's going to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the technical term? Duh. Yeah, duh. Like that. No, I tell you what, you know, I, I, was going, I was talking to our good friend Don Harris about this the other day, the idea of looking back at his career and, and just, the, just the different uh, headlines. We, it, it's, it's an invitation for all of us to look back at just how special this guy was um, during, a, during his career as a player. And, you know, it's easy to talk about the achievements, you know, on the court, the things that he did, you know, the uh, 1998, his first playoff game, you know, he scored 32 and his, and then down the, the, the checklist of the, the MVPs in the, in the NBA finals and uh, just all those things that happened on the court. But I tell you what, it's, it's what he did off the court and in that locker room with the Spurs that, you know, when you talk about five championships, I'm telling you, a lot of that is it was carved out in in the way he handled himself off the court. Uh, mm-hmm. So that guy was a Hall of Famer on and off the court, and you just mm-hmm. it's it's hard to quantify how how powerful that was. You you saw it the moment uh, he stepped foot on the um, on the court with the Spurs. Rob, David Robinson, another NBA Hall of Famer, and his uh, longtime teammate, said that he knew right away that 
this kid at that time, back in the late nineties, that TD was something special. And he turned out to be that special five NBA titles for San Antonio, all with one team uh, leading teams uh, on his back uh, too deep into the playoffs, you know, racking up wins and of course uh, tim duncan spoke about his election into the hall of fame and you know i spoke about this on yesterday's uh, podcast uh, richard i want to bring it up to you my biggest takeaway from his chat whether it be with espn or locally with the local media via video this person everybody he was still making it about the team he still congratulated mm-hmm. all the teammates that he had and he you know he didn't name them but he said over 200 plus teammates i've had and, you know, you did mention a few, Robinson and Vinny Del Negro and Avery Johnson. He's still looking outward instead of inward, Richard. He really was. The guy never commanded attention for himself. Uh, yeah. Still doesn't. I mean, this this could be, if you remember when he retired, of course, there wasn't the uh, the Kobe tour. You know, there was no rocking chairs and gold right. watches and uh, wheeling out all kinds of stuff for him. And it was just, a, 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 you know, just, just the index finger in the air and walking off the court. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. that really says everything about the man. And, and when we talk about the Spurs culture and we talk about players who kind of fold into that kind of culture, uh, when you think about a Tim Duncan, I mean, we could talk about Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and uh, even Kawhi Leonard and some of the other folks that have come through of those 200-plus players that Tim Duncan played with. I guarantee mm-hmm. you the impact that, that he had on all of those guys was – hey, you know what, we win as a team, we play as a team, and that's the Spurs culture. That's what the Spurs mm-hmm. culture has always been. And right. I, I would dare say when you go back to David Robinson and Tim Duncan, they're the reason for that, Jeff, is the fact that that's the reason that this team, uh, this this system has worked year after year after year is the selflessness of a guy like Tim Duncan and all the people around him that got to watch how he operated. Yeah, and look, you see, you see what he did. Uh, we know the records and the uh, honors that he received throughout his NBA career. But again, I go back to his chat uh, following the announcement that he's been elected. He said, as much as the Spurs racked up wins and titles, and he did say that, but he said his uh, biggest memory is the losses. He said how the team rebounded, how they regrouped. He highlighted that more. Uh, and he it's the, the teams that he beat, you know, in the finals. Oh, I didn't, you know, we beat the Nets and the Lakers. He was like, it was the losses that he really remembers uh, the most about his playing career, Richard. Yeah, that's a, those are the ones that cut to the soul, you know, when you when you look back. And but I think what's really interesting about that is the fact that uh, there were there was growth from those losses. I mean, every one of those losses were were building blocks for what the Spurs mm-hmm. were able to do. Of course, we all look at 2013, and I. I don't think anybody could, can look at the Spurs timeline with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker on the court without looking at what happened with the Ray Allen shot in 2013 and the Spurs losing that championship and then coming back in 2014 and probably playing the best basketball that anybody's ever seen, certainly in the NBA Finals, when the beautiful game was just unveiled. And, and you just you see the response and you see the, the strength of character and uh, the fact that just the desire to be something more than what they were each and every night when they went out there. I, I, I love Tim Duncan kind of bringing up the losses and bringing up, mm-hmm. but also bringing up, you know what, the day after the losses, what did it mean mm-hmm. that that next day, the next week, the next year, uh, mm-hmm. after you, after you suffered those kind of really bruising losses, the Spurs were a remarkable team in that regard. 
Yeah, they really were. And uh, Tim Duncan was at the focal point of it and his 19 seasons with San Antonio. And you look back in his career and um, just dominant, dominant, uh, even to the bitter end, you know, when Spurs were struggling against Oklahoma City uh, in that last uh, playoff series that he, uh, Tim Duncan uh, took part in, you know, they would always turn to him to try to get something going. He was such a rock, such a foundation for the Spurs. And uh, it goes without saying, uh, Richard, that there'll be another, there will never be another Tim Duncan. No, well, it's, and, and, you know, when you look at the, the fact that how the Spurs are not struggling now, but they're a different team now on so many mm-hmm. different levels. And I think a lot of that is because you, uh, you don't have that legend there who is, uh, you know, kind of stands as the pillar to, to what you want to build toward and uh, the kind of players you want to be. And uh, the Spurs don't have that right now. I'm not saying they won't build into that, but uh, – mm-hmm. He was just a legendary figure. And and we, you know, I tell you what, you and I have talked about this so many times, the idea of having uh, having somebody like a Tim Duncan or even a, a Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, guys who are with one franchise for two decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you think about two decades of being, being able to see Tim Duncan uh, check in to play basketball for you uh, every few nights is pretty amazing. And I'm, we were talking about Tom Brady the other day, being with the Patriots for 20 years and, you know, winning nine AFC championships and six Super Bowls and all those different kind of things. And how many, you can only count on one hand, certainly at this era over the last two decades of, of sports where you can have someone who stays with one franchise for that long and also has an imprint on a franchise for so long. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Tim Duncan's one of those, one of those very rare individuals who you could look at as being that kind of person. Uh, you know, Popovich joked that he would never go into the hall unless Rudy T gets into it. Well, Rudy T's in it now. So, Pop, uh, <laughs> you better, yeah. better be following uh, TD very soon because I would love to see him and Pop, um, you know, be side by side in that uh, Mayfield Basketball Hall of Fame. That'd be awesome to see. But, you, you know, before I get into a little bit of a controversy from one named uh, Shaquille O'Neal, when you look back after <laughs> that, Duncan's uh, playing. Days. Was there a game or a moment in his career that really stood out for you? Well, of course, everybody, I always look back at 2008 when he hit that three-pointer in that first overtime against Phoenix. I just thought that was just one of those moments. I remember, where were you at that moment when he when he jacked up a three-pointer? Of course, now all the big men are all shooting threes now, but when he hit that mm-hmm. three and uh, sent it to the overtime and Manu hit the bucket to win it, uh, that was the game in, in 08 when, you know, the it, it just—it was just one of those games that really meant so much to me. And the other thing was that I—that that kind of when you look back at 2014, if you remember that stretch in the third quarter when Patty Mills scored about 14 points in seven minutes or whatever it was and hit the four for four and threes and that kind of stuff, the absolute delight of Tim Duncan mm-hmm. during that stretch. You know, we rarely saw the guy show a whole lot of emotion. Um, obviously, he had when he hit the big shot before um, – uh, before the Derek Fisher hit the point four second mm-hmm. shot, controversial shot, never should have counted that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Tim hit that wonderful off balance shot with a you know great moment. Could could have been one of the greatest moments in Spurs history if if Fisher hadn't hit that shot uh, at the end there. But I I just uh, I love that stretch in fourteen when they knew the title. The Spurs had gone up by twenty in the third quarter, and I just remember looking over there and watching after after Patty Mills hit that fourth three to put the up I think at that point I put him up by 20 just the absolute delight and I remember sitting with Andrew Monaco up at the uh, the Spurs zone at the AT&T Center 
And he said, look at those guys. Just look at them. And Tim Duncan was just, I think he knew it was the twilight of his career. It was an opportunity to get back after 13. And uh, it was just a, it was just a magical moment. And so for some reason, I always remember that and the delight on Tim Duncan's face during that stretch. You know, I'm glad you highlighted that play uh, with TD knocking down the three versus Phoenix because he had a reputation of being this stone-cold player on the court, and he really wasn't. If you followed his career from beginning to end, he was very animated on the court or on the bench, uh, whether that be mm-hmm. you know, him practical jokes with uh, Manu and Timmy and Tony. I think everybody's seen the videos of him uh, horsing around on the, on, the, on the bench. But he pumped his fist up when he hit that three against Phoenix. When he dunked on a few guys, and I'm talking some vicious dunks, and he walked out, you know, following those dunks, you know, cringing with his face and his fists clenched together. And, of course, when his teammates did do something really well on the court, he was the first one there to give him that TD pat in the head um, as mm-hmm. he walked off, a uh, quick slap on the butt, or uh, just simply show emotion. He did show emotion, and, and that's why, in my opinion, I think he was very under underappreciated during his uh, playing time. But they labeled him as boring. And he's just black and you know white, you know, just goes in post up, right. bank shot, goes in. Po- he was more than that, uh, Richard. Yeah, he wasn't a robot, and a lot of people that, yeah. you know, it was. A, you know, what's interesting was you and I could easily say the headline players that he impacted. Now, obviously, we know what what kind of player he, what kind of leader he was for a Tony Parker. We know that that was part of the growth process for Tony Parker was seeing a guy like Tim Duncan and, and being able to 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 feed off of somebody like that, but. But it was the other guys, uh, you know, he mentioned the 200-something guys he played with. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine uh, what – Patty Mills never would have become the player he ended up becoming nope. without his friendship and, and, the, and the nurturing he got from Tim Duncan. Uh, different players on the court. I mean, Bruce Bowen. I mean, just the, mm-hmm. just the just, just being able to see, you know what, here's a guy. Bruce Bowen comes over and remade himself as a Spurs player, but in part because he watched Tim Duncan remake himself during – uh, year after year to become even better and more versatile and more diverse in his game. Um, it, it's just an amazing thing to see the impact. And even with Kawhi Leonard, when, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, as raw as he was, but but in that locker room to see Tim Duncan take it on the chin from Greg Popovich, uh, accept criticism, build off of different things that would off of turmoil or losses or all the different kind of things. Uh, it's it's hard to quantify how important it was to have a player like that around. Yeah, and you look at a TD, um, the other teammates of his said exactly the same thing that Bruce Bowen did. <clears throat> look at Danny Green. Danny Green said, you know, hey, Tim Duncan made the game easy for him. I <laughs> mean, that's the type yep. of impact it was for Danny. And uh, those wide open threes, yeah, Danny, Danny hit a lot of them, but a lot of that was because TD commanded so much attention in the paint. It was easy just to kick out, and there was uh, Danny yep. for three or Bruce for the three, the quarter three. And, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he made Robinson's life a lot easier. Robinson did all he could to lead the team beyond, you know, the Western Conference Finals and, and to the NBA Finals on his own. But when TD came along, it was exactly the perfect pairing that uh, David Wirt needed. And David tips his cap at TD for helping him in his uh, chase for a title and uh, bringing championship glory to San Antonio. It's been really good, and um, it's just awesome to see Tim Duncan uh, get inducted in a few months from now, hopefully so. Hopefully, um, yep. they'll be able to physically be there unless this coronavirus shuts that down. But uh, yeah. that'll be good to see. But um, we're going to transition just a quick bit. But when we get back, Rich and I are going to talk about one of TD's biggest rivals, 
Shaquille O'Neal and his thoughts on Tim Duncan. So we'll be right back. And I'm joined by uh, Richard Oliver. He is a co-host of What's Brewing Podcast. Uh, just simply Google it, What's Brewing Podcast, and subscribe right now because him and his co-host Andrew Brought they bring much more than just Spurs focus. Uh, you guys talk about Astros, NFL, everything, right? We do, and I tell you what, it's uh, uh, it's been it's been a little strange during this quarantine time and the coronavirus yeah. time uh, to see sports in a, in a whole different way. I never knew how much I was going to miss it, Jeff. I'll tell you, till, till you, you don't have it. <laughs> you know, exactly. Major League Baseball started. And I, I love baseball and there's no baseball, man. It's killing me. No masters. I don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm crossing fingers that this fire doesn't uh, end uh, Tim Duncan's physical induction into the uh, hall of fame, you know, and it, and yeah. I get it. You maybe he he wouldn't care. You know, at the end of the day, you he'd be like, "Hey, I'm in. I'm in. I'm happy." You know, but man, I would love to see him walk that stage. But uh, one guy that knows Tim Duncan very well on the court and of course off the court is uh, one Shaquille O'Neal. These two guys, they were big rivals, especially in the late '90s, early 2000s. It was Duncan's Spurs versus Shaq's Lakers, and uh, boy, were they some series to watch. If you missed out on those series, I urge you to go back and watch them on YouTube where we can find some classic uh, Spurs Lakers series matchups. But recently uh, Shaq was a guest on NBA TV's uh, show called start bench cut. And the premise is that Shaq's given a list of names of players and who would he start? Who would he bench? Who would he cut? And well, the, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> The name Chris Webber and Tim Duncan was brought to Shaq's attention, and he said right away, with no hesitation, I mean, not even a thought process. He just dove right into it, Richard, and said he would cut Tim Duncan. He would bench Chris Webber. Now, why? Because TD had the players around him, and that Chris Webber never did. Oh, and by the way, that if you put Chris Webber in – San Antonio with that team that Tim Duncan had that, yeah, it'd be the same type of glory. And if you move TD off the Spurs and put him on a different uh, team, he'd just be regular Tim. I I'm baffled. I don't even know where to begin with this, Richard. Yeah, yeah. Chris Webber, uh, such a noted leader. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a guy you want on your team. Yeah, you bring him into San Antonio. Yeah, he'd be a spur. He'd be a leader in the locker room. He'd be all those different things that Tim Duncan was. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's, that's Shaq. I mean, that's just Shaq. Just, number one, he'll do anything he can to discount uh, the other guy because, you know, obviously um, Shaq is all about Shaq. He's been that way, you know, throughout his career. But I, I, I look at – and it's interesting to see, you know, we even saw um, a little bit of that from Richard Jefferson on a couple of occasions where, yeah. um, you know, where he would say something to kind of discount Tim Duncan as, as if as if any player can plug into a system like the Spurs had and become a more special player. Uh, a Hall of Fame type player immediately. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it's, uh, and, and I look at, at Tim Duncan, 19 years, same team, uh, right. same guy, you know, always, always, you know, t picked up his bucket and went to work every single day. And then mm -hmm. you've got, uh, you've got Shaquille, uh, who played with Penny Hardaway, played with over here with Dwayne Wade, who played with Kobe right. Bryant. And I don't know, man, Jeff, I tell you, I listen to that kind of stuff. It just, it's just maddening. 
Yeah, you want to talk about bodyguards, as uh, Shaq mentioned, that TD had all the bodyguards in San Antonio. As you, you listed a few names right there. It's not like Shaq didn't have bodyguards himself. You know, He had one big one by the name of Kobe Bryant, who's going to be entering the hall with uh, Tim Duncan. He had Dwayne Wade, as you mentioned. He had great coaches, Phil Jackson at his side, uh, Penny Hardaway. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know about that. And look, I, I if Chris Webber had the team, uh, that Tim Duncan had in San Antonio. Let's just say Chris Weber had the Parker and Ginobili and the pop on the uh, sideline. I, I would think, Richard, you probably disagree with me. I think he might get one title, but I don't think he'd get five the way Tim Duncan led the Spurs. I get, well, and, and, I, and it goes back to what you and I talked about earlier about the, the impact of Tim Duncan on players around him, guys who saw him kind of, you know, listen, not everybody can play for a Greg Popovich. I mean, th- this is played, you know, played out. You know, the Stephen Jacksons of the world, the mm-hmm. the Richard Jeffersons of the world. Tim Duncan, th- the greatest power forward to ever play the game, who would who would take abuse from Greg Popovich. You know, would, and I don't mean abuse in the worst way, but you know, yeah. verbal, you know, upset, mm-hmm. you know, about stuff, and would take the medicine and say, "Yep, I'm getting better from that. I'll go back out there." Uh, didn't pout. Didn't didn't wasn't one of those guys that would. Uh, that was too big for those moments, you know, or too, mm-hmm. too uh, pompous to be able to take criticism. Right. Uh, and, and, and you substitute that with Chris Weber. I mean, come on. It's just, yeah. it's just a, it's a silly comment. It's just a, it's just, it, it's, it's Shaq begging for a headline again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just, it's just kind of almost comical to watch um, <laughs> guys like that who say things for effect. And, and it's just uh it diminishes Shaq a lot more than it diminishes Tim Duncan, believe me. Yeah, maybe that quarantine life is getting to Shaq's head already. I mean, he's just going stir crazy and going getting that cabin fever. It's affected him. So maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt, Shaq. Uh, but um, you would, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Timmy, you know, it's Timmy. You know, there's a reason why they call him the best power forward ever to play the game, or they rank him among. At minimum, top ten players in NBA history, and you know, you never see Weber's name up there, Richard. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what? Yeah. We used to say this about Shaquille O'Neal all the time. The one thing that he was, he was big. <laughs> he was big. You know, but if, I don't know if that everybody in the locker room would look at Shaquille O'Neal and say, oh, "You know what? That guy. Yeah. You know, that's the guy that you know. Watch how he operates and all this kind of stuff." I don't know. I, I just think that this is a Tim Duncan's a special breed, my friend, and that that's uh, uh, and it, it's it's real easy for a guy to sit off to the side and say, well, you know what, you play in San Antonio, you play under Greg Popovich, you play in yeah. a system, and you're going to be automatically win uh, five yeah. championships. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. And, and briefly, it's not like Chris Webber had good players around him too, especially in Sacramento. He had Mike Bibby, Vladi Divac, Pajester, Akins, uh, Jason Williams, you know, and they went deep into the postseason until they got smacked up by. Shaq, Kobe, and the Lakers. So, um, you know, Weber had his time as well. All right. Uh, But when we get back, uh, a quick short break, uh, we're going to be discussing the Spurs. And if the season does resume, what should the Spurs do? Back and I'm joined by my good friend Richard Oliver. Make sure to subscribe to his podcast, the What's Brewing Podcast, as well as watch him uh, locally here in San Antonio or online on the uh, 
I think it was called the Sports Nation Overtime. I think it's what it's called, Richard. That's correct. Yeah. Sunday nights, 11 o'clock. You guys are still churning out that product, aren't you? <laughs> hey, we'll talk sports even when they won't let us uh, have any sports to watch. We'll talk about it anyway. Curse you, COVID-19. Get out of here. We need your sports back. All right. Um, Bond of Satan. Leave us. Exactly. Uh, well, one of the ripple effects of the COVID-19 virus is the fact that, as you're well aware of, that there is no NBA. and uh, It's been on hiatus. Do not know when it will return. The, the latest the reports floating out there is that it may not return. And it might be a very long offseason until something uh, shakes out. But for argument's sake, Richard, and for just for some fun, uh, let's just pretend that tomorrow night the Spurs uh, resume play. NBA said, we're back. And guess what, San Antonio? You got 19 games left. We're just going to pick off where y'all left off. Y'all just came off a win over Dallas. So let's resume. At this point, what do you think, Richard? Should Popovich and Spurs and say, we're going for the A seed. Or is it the point where, you know what, young guys, you all guys play, you know, the A seed is out of our reach. What do you think the Spurs should do? Well, I tell you what, if you, if they came back tomorrow and you, in, in, in this fun scenario we're doing, it was 19 games. I'd say try, you know, you're the Spurs. Try for that, try for that playoff spot. 23 in a row, it'd be something magical. Uh, it's already been magical, but but I, I, I suspect that I, I suspect Popovich would would try you know would try to go for the postseason spot. Uh, it's not like the guy, the teams in the um, uh, seven, eight, uh, ten slots on down are, are, are just great shakes. You know, as, as far as being able to hold on to that eight spot, I think the Spurs could make a run at it. They're playing good basketball there at the end. But I think I'm like you. I suspect that basically there's not going to be a season. Uh, they're talking about doing a tournament and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But the, the interesting part, Jeff, is if, if they do that, uh, and if they don't have a season, of course, the Spurs streak remains alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's a backward way to do it, but hey, you know what? Yeah. And we're, I, in my opinion, I think if they do come back and if, you know, finish out your 19 and good luck, Spurs, there's a part of me thinking like, wow, it's, it's a daunting task. It really is. Uh, you know, I think they were, what, five and five right before the break. They had just beaten Dallas. They were the 12th seed in the West. Um, there was still hope. It was a small hope. You had the, the Blazers kind of tripping up a little bit. Uh, the Pelicans were surging. And, of course, Memphis was kind of being even. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, it's one of those things, Richard, where I'm stuck in the middle. I, I, I can see why they're going to chase the eight for history's sake, you know, breaking the record, the Sixers zone right now. But then I also feel like, well, Great, but you wouldn't want to get smacked up by the Lakers or the Clippers. It's kind of one of those things. Richard. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just the the idea that we're in San Antonio and we we just we just know one way to operate. So the idea yeah. of of uh, of just saying, you know what, we're going to kind of punt on this season and, and play the young guys, which you and I might just just as purists might enjoy, kind of watching mm-hmm. uh, the Lonnie Walkers of the world and Dejounte Murray's and all those guys out there trying to to get some things done. I've been a pretty resounding critic of LaMarcus Aldridge over the years. And I think DeMar DeRozan's a really good B player. Uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll get you to a certain point, but he's not the guy that's going to carry you on his right. back to a championship. But so I'd love to see some of these young guys step forward and get some playing time. But I tell you in San Antonio, I don't know that we know any way other than to mm-hmm. play for uh, the play for the ring, you know, even yeah. as unlikely as it may seem, uh, we've got two, 
two plus decades of, of saying that's the way we play basketball in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I don't know if Pop knows any other way than hey, we're going to go out there and try to win this thing uh, one way or the other. Um, but as yeah. un- un- unlikely as it may seem, I'm right there with you. Now, look, I think you and I are old enough to remember the days where winning for two plus decades wasn't the norm in San Antonio, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, there were some times, and I think maybe you, me, and the older generation of Spurs fans remember that. So we can absorb yeah. it a little better. But the younger generation, the newer generation, again, two decades plus of uh, winning success, and it is the unknown. And, yeah, there's a part of me that really would like to see your Keldon, your Lonnie, your Derek get the, get the run because Keldon was starting to come on a little bit right before the break. Um, I spoke it really with was, Pat- yeah. yeah. I spoke with Patty Mills you know, and uh, Derek White before the break, and they were just applauding Kelton. They were just amazed at what he could do. Of course, Lonnie was finally starting to get some significant minutes. So there's a part of me you'd love to see that continue as well, Richard. Yeah, great players out there, you know, just great athletes getting some great time in before they uh, before next season when the Spurs will be coming back with maybe a different type of lineup. And it is extraordinary. You talk about being the old guys like you and I just remembering things back in the you know Jerry Tarkanian days. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Back, but but it's just so crazy to, to me to think that my son Ryan, who's 26 years old, uh, has never consciously known a Spurs season that hasn't ended in the postseason. He's right. never he's never uh, you know he was three years old the last time that happened or whatever, and and it's mm-hmm. just. It's just so absolutely mind-boggling, and I, I think even in San Antonio, the fact that we were just spoiled in that regard. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I've lived places. You're, you've, you've spent a lot of time in New York. I was up in New mm-hmm. York for a long time. You think those Knicks fans wouldn't beg for that kind of, you know, <laughs> or even the Nets fans, as good as they, they, they're kind of turning into be. I tell you what, you just, you just don't know until this year when it looks like it's not going to be a postseason year. Um, we don't know what that feels like. It's it's just exactly. a strange uh, it's a strange thing to be in that uh, a strange wonderful thing to be in that kind of situation in San Antonio. It, it really is, and you know, if you were to tell me, you know, back when the dark days of the Spurs, when you had your Dominique Wilkins, yeah, he did play for the Spurs, listeners, and your Vinny Johnsons, <laughs> who yes, who did play for the Spurs for a season, microwave for those of y'all old enough to remember him. Uh, yep. Back then, you're gonna tell me, hey Jeff. Don't worry about this because in a few years, they're going to get this guy named Tim Duncan. And for two decades plus, you're going to win a lot of games and a lot of titles. And you might have a law after TD and something happens with some guy named Kawhi Leonard. But ignore him. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I think I would be okay with that, Richard. I think so. I think I, absolutely. And I, I think uh, uh, that's why it was so, so curious when I've got friends of mine who live around the country and they're just saying, you know, they're reveling in the Spurs being poor this year, not being very good. And my buddy's up in Dallas, you know, the Mavericks are coming on. And and I said, you know what, though? Don't put your money down too hard on the Spurs not coming back real strong in 2021 and beyond. You know, there you go. It's, it's inevitable that you're, as a franchise, you're going to have a poor season. It's inevitable. It's just uh, injuries happen. Things happen. Uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard happens. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that's just life. San Antonio has been blessed in that we haven't had to go through that till recently. And uh, yep, exactly. so you guys all enjoy this, but it's still San Antonio. <laughs> it's still the San Antonio Spurs. And yeah. we're going to cause some pain for a lot of people down the road. I couldn't think of a better way to end our chat here on Lockdown Spurs uh, with that note. Uh, so you've been warned, NBA fans and NBA teams, 
this punishment coming from the Spurs sooner than later. Uh, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, oh, Richard, uh, one more time. Tell everybody how they can follow and listen to What's Brewing Podcast, and of course, uh, Sports Nation. Yeah, it's What's Brewing Sports is our podcast. It's on, uh, we're, we're putting it together. We're taking a little hiatus now, like everybody else, because of the coronavirus and some different things we're doing. But uh, What's Brewing Sports, and then on, on Sunday night, Sports Nation Overtime, myself and Don Harris and David Chancellor, your teammates as well, Jeff. Uh, we get together on Sunday nights to talk sports um, each and every week, and it's just a great time. It, it, hey, listen, I know things are locked up right now. I know there's uh, very unique circumstances, but we uh, we still have a bunch of sports to talk about, and we just can't wait to, to share it with you. And, of course, you're on Twitter at? And on Twitter, I'm at Richard C. Oliver. Richard C. Oliver on Twitter. Get on there, man. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, Jeff and I are always going back and forth mm-hmm. every single day yep. talking sports. So we'd love for you to join the conversation. Yes, please join us. As for me, you can uh, subscribe to Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcast. And when you do that, make sure to subscribe to What's Brewing uh, Sports as well for Richard. And, of course, uh, go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio.com. There may not be any Spurs games, but there's still some content. And a uh, quick aside, Richard, because I know you got to go under simulated games. The Spurs are nine and four right now, so there's that. There you go. There you go. Even <laughs> on, even in the uh, virtual world, it's a great first yeah. time. All right, uh, and of course, uh, visit Spurs Zone News for San Antonio on Fox Twenty Nine San Antonio Follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. So for Richard Oliver, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs. Mm-hmm.